Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications connect to more overlay between sports and business justin how you doing what's going on do we have any birthdays to celebrate this week <laughs> we're through all the birthdays so um that's good uh but now we're doing well just plugging away it seems like spring might be here um yeah what's new with you guys well, you know, it seems like additions and subtractions all the way across the board. We learned about a Grizz football game that's happening uh, in the spring mm-hmm. on April 17th, but also some basketball games that have been canceled, and that's uh, less than ideal. But we trudge forward. We will be uh, headed to Boise next week for the Big Sky Basketball Tournament, so that will be fun. Uh, even if it will be different, it will certainly be <laughs> fun to at least be in a place watching Live sports. Let's dive into a couple different talking points. First of all, I think this is fascinating. The NFL and the TV rights deal, uh, it is a huge negotiation every time this comes up. And the numbers that are thrown out each time that the contracts are renewed are, quite honestly, staggering. The amount that this has grown over the last 20-plus years has just been Uh, completely mind-boggling, and we've seen it in the way that the NFL was covered all year long. I think every single network out there that had any rights to the NFL, they were doing nothing but saying glowing things about the NFL and praising the NFL for how well they handled the COVID-19 pandemic because they're all trying to be in the mix to land this contract. So break this down a little bit for us, though. What are you seeing on the horizon here in terms of who might have the rights to carry the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting back in October. I mean, I think we talked about that Denver Broncos game where they could barely feel the team and the notion that like the, there were, the NFL was putting an inferior product on the field and on television was maybe undermining the value of the asset and what the networks were sort of willing to pay for it. But, um, 
you know, we certainly saw that turnaround completely successful end of the season, no cancellations, um, solid ratings. And if you think of it, if you think about it from a content standpoint, I mean, live events, sports in particular, are are one of the really unique and rare assets uh, that still exist in entertainment. Uh, and football, in particular, if you think about how that season is structured, 16 regular season games, they have the benefit of scarcity. I mean, baseball's got so many games, basketball, so many games, football, it's a short season. There's only one game a week for each team. So it's, it's a really sort of scarce asset. And we see that with these deals. I mean, you know, the, 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 the part, whatever, the players um, in these deals right now, the networks in the NFL aren't really talking, but we're hearing numbers like, you know, $2 billion and $2.6 billion, And it's looking like Disney is going to emerge as the player that gets the Super Bowl. And Super Bowl goes back on NBC. Monday Night Football likely to stay on ESPN. And, um, you know, I think it's been since like 2006 that the Super Bowl was on ABC. Uh, so that's going to be a change. But we've talked about Disney a few times in our, in our business angle segments. You know, Disney's really well positioned to think about creative ways to distribute this content. I mean, what they did a few months ago with, with saying that all of their feature films are going to go straight to Disney Plus in conjunction with selective theatrical release. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a revolutionary move in entertainment distribution. Could we see some interesting things with how the NFL product gets distributed? I don't know. There's not enough detail about it yet. But if anybody's going to shake it up, it seems like Disney would be would be a um, be a candidate to do that. We know that it's going to be shaken up in one form or fashion, just to continuing to evolve. I think that's a great word to to describe talking about these NFL rights deals and, and how much they really are worth now. And Justin, just for perspective for all the listeners out there, I mean, how much of these deals grown astronomically over the past decade, over the past two decades, even three decades? I mean, I, we're talking thirty years ago when sports was on television. It's much different than it is now. There's a bunch of players that are in play, and the numbers just seem video game like as far as how much these packages are going for for so i guess just from a perspective standpoint how much have these television deals grown over the past decade two decades and then some yeah i mean they've doubled and tripled in value the numbers they're getting thrown around are, are astronomical and that that correlates well with the value of these franchises franchises these franchises are well into the billions and you know there, there's kind of no end in sight um Particularly if you think about it, like I said before, this is such a scarce asset, right? Live events are one of the only things that people are willing to sort of sit down and tune into, you know, when the event tells them they have to. We're so accustomed to streaming whatever we want, whenever we want it. And so live events are really the only time where that power is on the hands of the, the supply side, the supplier. And then again, like there's so few games. And I know the NFL has talked about adding games to the season. That seems like, you know, from, from, from the latest, I sort of checked on that, that it was, it was a bit of a dead issue. So 16-game season seems to be fairly fixed. And I think that is, is really smart from a monetary standpoint for the NFL because they really have an asset that's in high demand and is in scarce supply, and they can kind of dictate terms in a lot of ways. 
You're listening to Nuanez now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as on SWX Montana Television. Justin Angle joining us. He does this every other Tuesday. It is the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Let's talk about the Amazon side of this thing, Justin. I have... I don't know why I did this, but I decided that I was going to read a series of dystopian novels during the pandemic. So I read 1984, <laughs> and I read A Brave New World, and I've gotten myself completely uh, tripped out on uh, the parallels that exist in our modern-day lives. But I digress. I'm sitting here thinking, though, that there I might live in a world someday where Amazon runs everything that I possibly have or need in my life. How does this parlay then into television? Because this seems as if Amazon, if they make a huge bid for to be involved in the NFL in any form or capacity, particularly Thursday Night Football, this could be an utter game changer in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, this term disruption gets thrown around a lot in business. Um, and I think what we're seeing potentially with Amazon moving into the NFL is is real disruption. Um, so let's kind of break that down a little bit. I mean, it's looking like Thursday night football is going to be exclusively available on Amazon Prime. Now you could get uh, you could get Thursday night football games available on Prime this this last season, but it was available other through other channels as well. But if you think about that. Like now Amazon has this content exclusively. You know, cable TV is being disrupted. The networks are being disrupted. This is competition for eyeballs and attention, and Amazon is winning. And then you take the backdrop of what's happened over pandemic is Amazon has just, their, their market cap has doubled during this time. And so they, they have more cash and resources and a bigger war chest than anybody. And they can make tremendous investments in technology. And one thing that Amazon is good at and relentlessly focused on is delivering a great customer experience, right? And so if you think about it, like you could change the customer experience of watching a football game quite a bit, particularly if you're a company like Amazon that doesn't have to sell advertising time, right? The business model for all the other companies is they have to sell advertising time. Well, if you're a prime customer, prime customers avoid a lot of that advertising. Amazon isn't necessarily dependent on that advertising revenue. They could monetize this in completely different ways. It could change the entire um, kind of experience of watching a game. Games could be faster. They could, you know, fewer TV station breaks, less advertising, better experience for for the for the for the viewer. In many ways that we can't even think about. I mean, they can buy the best uh, analytical talent, the best announcers. All these things, they have more resources than any player in this marketplace. So I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see, you know, how this plays out and. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now, Amazon's the dominant player in how the NFL is, is viewed and consumed by, by, by the fans. It's totally amazing to think about because when you really put it in perspective, with the amount of resources that they have, Amazon could essentially, without, without tangibly, but essentially could buy the NFL. And they could mm-hmm. they could change Absolutely. I mean they could change every single element of the way that it's consumed. So my question is: Is there a slippery slope here? Because it seems on one hand, okay, they built the capital, they have the capital. That is what it is. It's capitalism in America, so you're allowed to do it. And I do think it could improve the product in a lot of different ways. But what happens if we then have streamed games with little to no commercials that? 
or I guess, is there a danger here if Amazon is only advertising for itself? Like, how does that work in terms of the structure of monopolies? And is there a danger there? Because it seems as if Amazon controlled the entire stream and then there was no interruptions through commercials or media timeouts. They could do nothing but promote their own products. Is that a good or a bad thing? Oh, a hundred percent. There's a ton of risk, right? They, they, they own the rails, so then they can do what they want. So, you know, one, they can kind of control, you know, the, the voice of advertising. But two, I mean, think about this mechanism that is prime, like by getting so many people. I think last last time this was measured, it was like 80% of households in the United States are Amazon Prime um, members. I mean, it's essentially an IQ test. How, how how good a deal Amazon Prime makes sense as as a consumer. So we all pay this, you know, hundred bucks or so every year, and that gives Amazon kind of this embedded advantage in that you know so many of us just go to Amazon assuming we're going to get the best price, and we don't even check it versus other vendors because we just sort of assume that Amazon's known for a low price and a good good customer experience. And so they're able to kind of pick off margin on so many items because they know that consumers aren't going to check elsewhere. So that's like a subtle expression of this monopoly power. And you can see it playing out in interesting ways with the NFL. I mean, they're going to be able to get, you know, if they're competing against other games for share, right, for viewership, and they can deliver a game without advertisements. I'm going to want to watch that game more than I'm going to want to watch a game on CBS that stops, you know, every five minutes for an ad. But the experience on Amazon is going to be better, and they can afford to deliver that. So more of the traffic is going to go that way. And as that, you know, it, you know, it might be a better experience, but with that, as you said, Coulter, comes a tremendous amount of power for a company like that, tremendous control over our attention, uh, over what we see, over what we have access to buying. Uh, you know, I don't want to go down that dystopian uh, rabbit hole that you went down <laughs> with what you've been reading, but, like, I think we're seeing a lot of that possibility with how big these companies are, um, how much control of our, uh, you know, of every transaction we make um, flows, you know, the percentage of, of money that flows through Amazon or Amazon Web Services product is, is tremendous. You mentioned the experience, Justin, and, and I think that another question stemmed from that, not only watching a game with no commercials, I mean, that obviously would be at the top of the list, but with what the NFL is kind of transitioned to, right, why are some people watching? Well, number one, the gambling aspect of it, and I think number two, the fantasy sports aspect of it. So when they're going through these new rights deals, how much of that might be a factor of just being innovative, that something that Amazon, hey, we can provide something that just hasn't been there before, where maybe you're going to see a broadcast that in a normal quote unquote commercial break they could be rolling through some fantasy stats and gambling angles too because that's just the name of the game with where they're at right now how much of that maybe is a factor in all this when talking about the experience of what they could do in these tv rights deals i think it's a big factor i mean you look at the, the sort of boon to the nfl that fantasy football has been and you know gambling and various levels i mean these pro leagues try to keep an arm's length from gambling to some degree although i think you know with 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 uh the team in vegas now it's, it's a little less of an arm's length than it's been but 
Yeah, I mean, I think that could play a big uh, role. And, you know, I don't really know what kind of a presence Amazon has in the gambling space. But if you think about it, like, there's another area where they could just kind of buy the rails. Like, they could... They could Buy these websites. I mean, exactly. If they, they can, if they continue traffic. to if they continue to accumulate capital at the rate they're con- they're they're accumulating it, it's not infeasible that they could buy everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's probably limits. Like they're not going to buy Facebook or Apple or Google, but <laughs> right? like, it is sort of feeling like we're we're getting down to a pretty small number of companies uh, owning almost a hundred percent of every dollar spent in our economy. Is there something to be learned from history? Because we've been down this road before in America, you know, probably, uh, I guess, 150 years ago now. But, um, I mean, th- there was there was these giant monopolies when it came to uh, the railroad industry and steel and things like that. So, I mean, is that a worry? I mean, do we need to remember the past as we march towards the future? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple of differences there. Like, one, how antitrust law has developed and has been sort of interpreted and enforced through the courts. You know, that's changed over time. You know, r- right now we're in kind of a legal regime where the key kind of trigger to sort of impose an antitrust action is harm to the customer. And the way that harm to the customer is conceived is in terms of higher prices. And so right now with you know Amazon in particular, we don't see evidence of higher prices. If anything, prices have gone down. Now I said before, like Amazon can kind of pick off margin on certain areas, but it's not gratuitous. It's not like they are you know the standard oil of old and can jack up the price of oil because they're a monopolist. That's not how they're sort of exerting their monopoly power. The same could be true with you know the Facebooks of the world. You know they, they don't really charge a price. They charge a price to advertisers, um, but there's no evidence that 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 price is um, the price for advertising is anti-competitive. The monopoly advantage that these companies um, sort of enjoy based on the data itself, what they know about all of us and their ability to take that information and either service with ads for things that we maybe didn't know we wanted or um, engineer an experience that is just superior to an experience we can get elsewhere. They're sort of able to, like you take Netflix, for example, they're able to just, they, they know us so well through our buying habits that they can serve us better content that, that we want. And so from a consumer harm standpoint, I think there, it's going to be a hard you know, antitrust case to make. Um, we'll see how, you know, I'm sure, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's likely to be a case against Amazon at some point. We've got the Facebook and Google cases in play right now. The Biden Justice Department, it seems like they're going to continue with those cases. We haven't heard much about it in the transition. But how those two cases go could be a bellwether for for how um, a potential case against Amazon goes. Listen to a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Justin Angle joining us as he does each and every other Tuesday here on Nuanez Now. And Justin, I could talk about this forever. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with falling to the bottom of the rabbit hole, but we're not going to do that. Instead, I want you to tell me something that's going to make me happy. We talked about GameStop okay. on this show a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and I think that the phenomenon that it, that it was and is is fascinating. It sp- spills over into the sports world because 
of the the various platforms that some of these big time sports media personalities, specifically Dave Portnoy, have uh, at Bar- Barstool Sports. And so, to fill people in that weren't paying attention or maybe missed this, GameStop it was basically going to be a short sell. The stock was bottoming out, and then because of a Reddit message board, the stock then exploded, and it was kind of the common man's. Um, Middle finger to the hedge funds, so to speak, right. and, but then it then it uh, then it falls off, and then the the stock is crashing again. But this last week, I I just I bought a share of this when this happened, just to be along for the ride, and I just re- to say you did. That's right. And I you know, I didn't care if I if I made money or if I lost money. I just wanted to be along for the ride. I just bought one single share, and uh, the other day I was looking at my thing, and it's like, oh, this thing's gone up like two hundred percent in the last couple of days. So Justin Phillips said, "What's going on? How come this is making a resurgence all of a sudden?" Oh gosh, you know I don't know. I, I think it's um, you know it's, it's it's wild. I mean, the stock went up to back in January or early February went up to like four sixty eight, then it went back down into the you know into the twenties again, and now as I checked it last week, it was up to one seventy seven. You know, the most likely explanation is kind of some randomness um, in the market. There are there's some speculation that there's activist investors are. Are involved and what an activist investor is is somebody who takes a large position in a company and then tries to use that position to exert influence on how the company's managed um, the CFO so a, 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 an activist investor took a position shortly thereafter the CFO the chief financial officer left it was reported that that individual was maybe you know less progressive about the company evolving its business model. So there's some talk that, you know, maybe they're going to take advantage of all this market capitalization and use that, you know, that equity in a way to make some investments in, in digital transformation. It's, I think that's a stretch. Like I, I think, <laughs> I don't think GameStop really has what it takes from a managerial stops, a chop standpoint to, to really compete with uh, the big players in this category. What's most likely happened is, you know, there was reports that some investors were speculating with options. They were buying call options. And what a call option is, it's an option to buy a stock or it could be a bond or some other security. But it's an, in this case, it's an option to buy a stock in the future at a specified price on a specified date. So people were buying a big order for call options came in at 800 bucks a share. So somebody spent a couple cents per share for the option to buy GameStop at some future date for 800 bucks a share. So that's basically a bet that as that date approaches that GameStop is going to go way up above 800. And so if you paid a couple cents per share for that option, GameStop goes up to 1000 per se, you know, then you have the option to buy it at 800 and you can sell it at 1000 because that's where the market is and you can make 200 bucks a share where you only spent a couple cents per share um, for that unlikely outcome. Right? Well, if you think about it, like somebody has to be on the other side of that trade. If I'm a trader and I'm making a market and somebody's buying a call option for me, like I'm now exposed because what if that price goes up to a thousand? I've made a commitment that that person I've sold the option to can buy the stock for me. So I have to kind of cover myself and that's called hedging. 
And in this case, it's, it's specifically called a gamma hedge. So if I'm the trader who made the market, I need to go out and buy some of this stock. Well, I don't have to, but it's smart for me to go buy some of this stock. So that's kind of the best wisdom about what's, or the best guess at maybe what's happening is that there's some, there was some options being bought, some traders that made these trades had to go out and cover these options. So they bought up some of the stock. And, um, you know, I don't know how the Reddit community maybe jumped on some of that momentum. But yeah, we're, we're back up a little bit. Is GameStop is GameStop worth 177 a share? I doubt it, um, but it's certainly been fun to uh, pay attention to. And like I said before, a couple, three, four weeks ago, like this has been a gift for uh, for business school professors because I, you know, I could build my entire semester class around what's happening with the stock. No doubt about it. Justin Angle joining us. It is a business angle. We do this every other Tuesday during the five o'clock hour here on Nuanas Now. And Justin, you have a fancy new billboard right by my house, which promotes your great <laughs> podcast, a new angle podcast. So I get to see you and wave at you every day now as I'm going up Russell. Uh, but the new angle is a great podcast featuring great interviews with just cool people from around Montana doing cool things. And the uh, interview you did today, very cool. This is something we have helped to promote a lot because this is something that really means a lot to me. Uh, Robin Selvig was definitely a huge influence in my career as a young journalist. That was my first beat as a young reporter when I was working at the student newspaper and then uh, helping out the Missoulian. And uh, Coach Selvig was all class. He taught me so much about the game. And now there's a fantastic documentary out, The House That Rob Built. And so you had a chance to catch up with Coach Selvig as well as Megan Harrington, the co-director of this film. So tell us just a little bit more about uh, your upcoming New Angle podcast. Yeah, it was a really special conversation earlier today. You know, Megan is a sister of a colleague of mine. Mike Harrington is a professor in the College of Business. And, you know, Coach Selvig was such, uh, just such an institution at the University of Montana. I mean, I didn't overlap with him for too much, um, about four years before he retired, but had so many of his players in class and just... Just an awesome group of women and a fantastic story. And so it was great to kind of learn about this film, how it came together. I would encourage everybody to see the film. You can go to the website. I think it's the house that Rob built movie.com and, and there's links to stream it from there. Uh, it's a special film and it's made, you know, the film was made by special people and it was really fun to, to kind of dig into some of those themes um, and some of the stories. Uh, I, I can't get that episode of a new angle out until early April. So it'll be a, a, a few weeks before we, we, we can hear it. But um, yeah, I'm still kind of buzzing from that interview because it was, it was pretty special. We have all sorts of podcasts for you. We're keeping you educated and entertained. We got Nuanas now. We got Inside the Den with Riley Corker. We also got uh, a new angle. We have the business angle. We do this into a podcast. And Justin, you also now next week, very exciting, drop the Fireline podcast as well. So just briefly tell people a little bit more about this one as well. Yeah, Fireline, it is a deep dive in the wor- into the world of wildfire. It's a six-part series about what wildfire means for us here in the West, our planet, and our way of life. And uh, this was made in conjunction with Montana Public Radio. Um, episode one drops next 
week. Um, you can find it at firelinepodcast.org or just shoot uh, search for Fireline, one word, in any of the podcast players. We're super stoked about it. Uh, it's been a new form of uh, podcasting for me, like fully edited narrative podcast with all kinds of production effects. I'm working with two young, hungry journalists on this. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's coming together beautifully. You're really proud of it. And, uh, yeah, if, if, if folks have a chance to listen and want to let us know what you think, uh, I'm all ears because because um, uh, this has been a pretty exciting project. Very exciting. We're stoked for you, definitely. And uh, we will, I'm definitely going to listen to this thing and uh, we'll, we will fill you in. I got a big drive coming up to and from Boise, Idaho. So plenty of time, plenty of windshield time. We, to- we, we, we appreciate you doing that, by the way, Justin, releasing this before Coulter and I right. have to drive that's to Boise right. and go that's to right. Indianapolis. So there we can, you go. We can I'm listen here to please. I'm here to please. <laughs> that's exactly right. Justin, we appreciate it. It is a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do it every other Tuesday here on Nuanas Now. And Justin, we'll catch up with you here in a couple weeks. Thanks so much for coming on, man. See you, fellas. Be well. Gotta get out. Brian Katz, the head coach of the Sacramento State Hornets, one of the veteran coaches in the Big Sky Conference, will join us next right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.